You are listening to the Live Dapper Podcast. We are here to bring you stories and conversation from men who are living adventurously well. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the podcast. I'm your host, Trace and Luna. We are in a public coffee shop. Just for all you guys listening, if you hear background noise or randomness, um, just bear with us. Beside me is my brother who is learning the trade, Maximus Luna. He doesn't have a mic, he's just waving. Um, We have Noah Hershey behind the curtain, the media magician. And then to my left is the infamous Tyler Robertson. How's it going, Tyler? Great, Tracen. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. So Tyler, what do you do? Well, I am a barber and men's grooming consultant at the Executive Barber Shop. Nice. That's a good, that's a good title. Yeah, you like that? Not just barber. I'm a men's grooming consultant. Yes, we came up with that and it sounded really good and I think that's a good uh, description of what it, we do. It really is. I, uh, barbershop is one of my pl- favorite places to hang out, specifically the executive barbershop. It's one of my favorite places to hang out. Um, I think you guys do an amazing job up there and it's not even just about the haircuts, which you do a really good job with. It's the uh, I think you guys do really well at creating an overall atmosphere for guys to just hang out, you know? Yeah, it really, we try to make it an experience yeah. uh, for people. It's always, it's always been more than a haircut. Yeah. So how long have you been a barber? I've been barbering professionally for, it'll be four years in July. Okay. So 2015, I graduated barber school and before that, did about a year and a half of schooling. Nice, where'd you go? I went to Ravenscroft Barber College in Fort Wayne. Um, started there, would have been 2014, graduated in 2015, and uh, started barbering right away. Okay, what did you do before that? Before that, I uh, graduated high school in 2012. So I'm 25 years old and spent about a year contemplating what I wanted to do as a career and really just had no luck and I eventually felt really pressured to, to just do something. So I, uh, I enrolled at IPFW um, about a year after graduating. I took two basic courses. I did an English and a math and it was fine, didn't have any issues, but somewhere along the line, I was like, you know, this is not for me. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so after, well, really in the middle of that semester, I actually was getting more into, I was getting curious about hair. Um, I, at that time, I was looking for a new hairstyle and I had actually never been to a barber before. Hmm. So that's about the time, at least around here, where it started kind of making a comeback. So I did some research, found a local guy that was actually in barber school. I went and got my hair cut at the school and it was an awesome experience. And honestly, he gave me the best haircut I had had before that yeah um 
I'd always gone to a salon or a Grey Clips. Yeah. I was one of those people. So, um, do you remember how that felt? Like when he was done, like the feeling of like having an amazing haircut. I felt. I never felt more confident, and yeah. I never felt more. Just, I felt like a new person, rejuvenated, yeah. happy, and again, that's from a barber student. Yeah. So. And I mean. So I wanted to touch on this because I think it's kind of, it's a big piece of what you guys do for guys. Like, like you said, you can go to Great Clips, you can have your mom cut your hair, you know, you can go wherever, Walmart, but to actually, I, me personally, like when I've gone to a barber and when I've spent time in the chair and then stepping away and just feeling that, yeah, that confidence and that, uh, you yeah. feel rejuvenated. I think that is what a barbershop is about. It's not even, it is about the haircut, but it's that is really the core of it, you know? I think really too what, what helps make that is typically with a barber, you've got a guy who's extremely passionate and proud of what he does and he puts that into his work. So it's almost like you can feel his creative energy and his passion just kind of transferring through his hands to your to your head. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but it's kind of the visual I have. Yeah. Um, it's contagious. Yeah. Yeah, I know whenever I went to I went to Tim once as well. Uh, it was I had my hair down to like my shoulders and I was like, ah, I'm just ready to get it cut off and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have Tim do it cuz I've heard a lot of good stuff and I've never really went to a bar barber either. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just a really, like you guys said, you just get out of that chair and you're like, holy cow, I, like, I feel like a new person. Personally, I felt like a new person because I chopped off eight and a half inches of hair. Um, so, that might, that might that have had something have, to do with it. Yeah, but he did a lot of different techniques I've never experienced before, and uh, he had like a vacuum, like, yep. and he like, like vacuumed in the back of my neck and everything, and there was like, I didn't itch at all afterwards. I was mm -hmm. like, it just shows that he knows what he's doing, like yeah. compared to just some lady who chops your hair. Yeah, it really is the little things. I mean, besides yeah. the haircut, like mm -hmm. it's the vacuum. It's making sure you are clean and your hair is well styled before you leave. Yeah. That you're ready for that interview or that big presentation or family vacation, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's not just the barber thing. Like that's. That's all throughout life. It's the little things that really matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, 100%. I know. Uh, I, I don't know. I know in my job, like, as a firefighter, it's the attention to detail. It's the little things that really puts you above the rest. You know what I mean? And yeah. shows, like, I'm not just here to get a paycheck, but I'm actually here because I care about my job. And I'm here to do it right and do it right the first time. You know? And um, at, like at Live Dapper, that's what we're about. We're about guys chasing their dreams. And also, you have one life to live, you know what I mean? And so why wouldn't you do everything you can to do it right the first time? Yep. And not just like get by, but actually give this everything you have. Like, what makes you feel alive? Go out there and get after it. And I know, like talking with you, like, like barbering has really sparked something like that in you. And so that's why I really wanted to have you on. I kind of want to get your story. and. See, what about barbering really makes you feel alive? For me, barbering, it, it's a creative outlet. I've always been interested or attracted to creativity, mm -hmm. but I've always kind of struggled 
defining what that looks like. And so barbering's kind of been, it's, it's been that outlet for me. But more than that, for me, it's cutting hair, I enjoy it. But at the end of the day, what I really reap out of it is the relationships I'm able to build, the people I get to meet, um, the satisfaction that comes from transforming the way yeah. a guy looks mm -hmm. and the way a guy feels. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that sums it up, really. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> so let's go back even further um, before high school. So where'd you grow up? Tell me a little bit about little Tyler. I, uh, <laughs> I grew up um, with a very ordinary life. I was born in Fort Wayne, so born and raised here. I grew up on the north side. Um, got one brother, one sister, so I'm the oldest. Um, How old are you? I'm 25. Okay. So, grew up out north. Uh, went through school, tried playing football, I think when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. It wasn't for me. Um, was always kind of into skateboarding, kind of that more, uh, had more of a rebellious spirit, but I never really showed it. I always kind of found outlets for that. So it wasn't until, I mean, high school, I kind of uh, figuring out who I was, what I wanted to be, where I wanted to go. And once barbering started, that's what really kind of got rid of some of the ordinary and made it interesting. Yeah. And so you said you graduated, and then you were pressured, started at Ivy Tech. IPFW. IPFW. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> and I uh, took a few classes, didn't like it. No. And then got into barbering. Yep. I stumbled upon it, and it was <clears throat> so the back of that barbering experience I had at the school, it was yeah. really that moment where I. It was the first time I ever felt like, hey, this is like something I could actually see myself doing. Yeah. This is something I could see myself doing for the rest of my life and enjoy it. Hmm. So that's kind of when I decided to pursue that. Um, it's probably worth mentioning also that my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, um, she had just started hair school before I got oh, into really? that. So I think subconsciously that played a little bit into it. I figured maybe subconsciously if she's doing hair, maybe I can do it too. But really it was that haircut from a barber that, that did it for me. Yeah. So what happened after that? So you got your haircut, you're feeling like the man. Yes. You're confident. Nobody can put you down. Yes. So <laughs> where'd you go from there? So I, at the time I was working part-time at a local grocery store started out pushing carts, worked my way indoors, and so at that time I decided I was going to go to barber school, so I started researching how to get that started. Contacted the school. Uh, they actually take students every, every few weeks, so it was about two months, I think, after I decided to do that that I actually enrolled and had my first day. Yeah. So moved fast on it. Yeah. So barber school 
I ended up going nine o'clock to two o'clock, Tuesday through Saturday, and then working part-time in the afternoon and evening hours. So most of my day was, it was a long day. So start school at nine and then I'd get off work around 10 or 11 every night. Um, so it was definitely a hustle. I did enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's a grind. Mm -hmm. It makes things go by really fast. <laughs> it makes, yeah, it goes by very fast, but at yeah. the same time, it does get monotonous. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what would you say pushed you through that season? Because you know, that's, I mean, a lot of people go through a season like that and they, yeah. they give up. Well, there's, cer there's certain things in life I had to learn the hard way. One of them being to learn to push through things like that. So I would say about halfway through barber school, um, I got really, I lost a lot of motivation. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of burned myself out. I knew I had to finish it and I knew it was all gonna be worth it, but just that daily grind and that daily, it's the same thing every day. Yeah. Working on the same stuff and. And I mean, so even myself, like, let's take working out for example. Like, yeah. And so many guys want the six pack abs, you know? Yeah. And we can have the greatest motivation of, I want this body. I know I can do it, but along somewhere along the way, it's like the daily grind takes it out of you. Yeah. And you still have that vision for what you want and you know it's gonna be worth it, but it's connecting the dots to how do I get through today? Yeah. And you have to like realize there's always repercussions. So one of the repercussions for that and in that instance was I had to make up hours. So if I didn't go to school one day, I had to eventually make that up. Um, which, I mean, in turn would push my graduation date further. So yeah. that was that, a lesson learned. Um, how often did that happen? More than I'd like to admit. <laughs> um, I, I ended up missing quite a few days just out of laziness and yeah. uh, like I said, that was a tough lesson to learn. So pushed my graduation date back and hindered me from getting to where I wanted to be. Hindered me from hitting my goal. Yeah. And since that, since then, it's been much easier to push through things and just grind it out. Do you think, I mean, looking back now that you've learned, like, if I don't push through how I'm feeling, I'm going to have a heavy price to pay. Do you think yeah. that's like what keeps you going now? Yeah, I would say so, but I also try not to look at it that way because it almost, it sounds negative. Yeah, I guess. So, so for me, like I have the three kids, right? Yeah. And like, I remember my daughter, like she loves to pull a chair over and help my wife cook. And one day, like we told her, like, don't touch the pan because it's hot like you can stir stuff when sure. mom's next to you but don't touch the pan and one day she did full-on touched it and uh like i felt terrible because like her hand had a little tiny blister on it and like but the thing i would say is like i think when when we go through painful circumstances there's that it's almost like you're not dwelling on the negative but it's a reminder there yeah like it's in the background of like I know what's gonna happen if I do this wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's not what you're dwelling on because now she still, she'll pull up the chair and climb up there and she'll cook 
and now we almost feel a little safer because she knows what not to do, yeah. you know? And like my wife can take a step away from her and feel comfortable not like hovering right over her, her hands. But what I'm saying is like, she still wants to go after it. She still wants to get up there and help mom cook. But it's like, and with the smile on her face, you know she's not dwelling on the fact that, oh, I could, I could be burned. Like she's not fearful yeah. of the negative. She's just, she learned a lesson. And so would you say that's kind of how it's like, you're not dwelling on it, but it's, it's there, you know Yeah, it. it's there, I think. But as you're going through that process, it, going back to you said being what pushes you is, is knowing there's repercussions. There's that, but then also just trying to enjoy the process. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. So kind of goes back to the little things. So as you're grinding, just focusing on the good that's happening that day or at that time and just knowing that it's worth it. Yeah, I think that's really good. I, uh, I think I even get caught up in that sometimes. Like I push myself just too hard and too fast and too much that I forget to stop and actually take time to enjoy what's going on. Yeah. And like growth is a beautiful thing. Like in whatever skill and whatever area and whatever part of life you're in, like so for me right now, like I'm a firefighter and I'm working on this business and doing other things as well. And I have three kids at home, you know what I mean? And so it's very easy for me to go home and be tired and not enjoy life. You yeah. know what I mean? But I, uh, I do find myself like getting home and having to reset and like, dude, slow down, enjoy your family, enjoy your time. And even in those busy times like this right now, like, yeah, I'm working, but I'm trying to enjoy it. You know, yeah. I'm getting to know a friend. I'm, I'm hanging out with my other friends. And, and anyway, yeah, I agree. Like whatever you're doing, take a moment to breathe. Like mm -hmm. life never should move so fast that you can't enjoy what you're doing in yeah. the moment, you know? And that's something to work towards. Uh, I mean, at least for me is figuring out how to balance all that. Um, <clears throat> figuring out how to be able to go home and have the energy to sit down and talk about our day yeah. and just enjoy each other's company, my wife and I. Because working hard, I mean, it's, it's great. And it's, it's what you gotta do, but for me at least, it, it does drain me and it takes a lot of mental energy sometimes, but taking time to, I guess, refocus on what really matters and what's yeah. important because you always want to push yourself, but not to the point where it's going to, I guess, affect what's, what really matters. Yeah. So knowing where that point is, knowing where that line is drawn, Yeah. Um, it takes time and it takes skill and it takes um, experience. Yeah. I think it takes a little bit of self-examination too. Yeah. To be able to pull back and just be like, okay, what's going on? Like for me, I kind of have to talk to myself like that. Like, what's going on, man? Like, <laughs> you know, take a second and just kind of reset, examine. I think a lot of it is as men, we're so busy, at least in my life, like, so I get caught up so much in providing and working and doing that I forget, hey, you have needs too. Yeah. Like, you need to rest. You need, you need to spend time with your wife. You know, you need to spend time with your kids. And, not just for their sake, but for my sake. Like, I need that. I need right. that love from them, and I need rest. And I, it's just the same as, like, you need food, and you need sleep. Like, <laughs> those are simple things, but 
sometimes we forget them or sometimes we, food's a great example. We all know we should eat healthy and not just because it makes us look great, but because our body actually needs it. Mm -hmm. But you find, especially in like the line of service and stuff, I find like there's a lot of guys out there that push themselves so hard then they inhale things that their body really shouldn't inhale just to push them further, you know, yeah. energy drinks or whatever <clears throat> it may be. And it's like, dude, you know what your body needs. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're not. You're, you're putting whatever it is you're going after above your own, your own body right now. Yeah. And eventually, it's like you said, eventually you're going to have repercussions for that. It might be a year down the road. It might be 10 years down the road. But eventually, if you keep up that habit, like it's going to catch up to you. So I digress. All in all, like <laughs> you have your own needs. I agree with you. And it's, at a, it's a skill in itself to almost pull back and evaluate what we need. Yeah. I went from having that almost too much, I would say. It's like having that ability to have those personal needs met. I had an abundance of that. And then getting into a career, it, I mean, totally minimized that. So it was like a one extreme to the next. Yeah. And so now I'm in, even now I'm in this process of, of finding that balance to where I'm giving what needs to be given but also keeping for myself what needs to be kept. Yeah. And it, that changes, you know? It, it, it's an evolution mm-hmm. that kind of occurs, I think, throughout life. Yeah, I think it's an ever-changing process. So yeah. I think, well, especially like, so like you said, for people that have careers or people that are entrepreneurs or people maybe just working a job and going after a dream on the side, like, there's going to be different seasons where you're doing things at different levels. So you're going to have to have, things are going to change. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's touch back to the story. So you went to barber school and then you graduated. Yeah. So it was about three months before graduation for me. And so I was starting to look into shops. And at that time I talked with my uncle who, um, I actually knew Tim through a group at a local church. So I got Tim's name from him. I reached out to Tim. It sounded like he was looking for a barber. Um, so we set a time to chit chat. And so I went there that following Saturday and went up to the barber shop after hours. And uh, he greeted me, welcomed me right away I just thought it was fantastic I thought it was awesome yeah he's a really cool guy um, he was finishing up a, a wedding party doing some shaves and after that we uh, sat down and he pretty much interviewed me on the spot really and I didn't know that was gonna happen so here I am I show up in my school attire with my ratty barber smock and <laughs> just beat up white tennis shoes. Um, in hindsight, I was I looked like a slob. So here I am interviewing for potential career. But you just wanted to check out the shop. I just you wanted to check out like... the shop because in my experience, going to a barber shop is super laid back. People are serious, but maybe serious in their own way. 
Yeah. It's a very just lax environment. And with barbers, you typically show up, figure out what booth rent is, and see if you like each other and go from yeah. there. This was a, uh, I was interviewing for, for a career, for something that would change my life, um, which I figured out real quick. Yeah. So let's back up a second. So you walked in, you remember, so paint the scene for me. So I walked in and it's, it's my first time being there. So I see about, man, I don't know, three to five guys. They're in there just talking. Tim's shaving up one of the guys. He's got the, uh, the towels on him, straight razor to his face. Yeah. People are having a good time, drinking beer. Just what I imagine a fun, classic, old school barber shop to be. Yeah. How have you seen, did you, up to that point, had you seen like straight razor shaves and stuff like that, like in a shop? Because you probably trained in sure. school, but. Yeah, in school, but um, we never really, I've never been in a barber shop that was doing that. Yeah. So just experienced it in school and did training in school. That was my only uh, experience with that, really. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think of that? It was impressive. It was, I mean, it's one thing to use a straight razor. I mean, there's, most barbers will use a straight razor, but to do an actual hot towel straight razor shave, you just don't see that a lot anymore. Yeah. Um, it's definitely more luxury specialty service. So it was, it was awesome to see that right away. Yeah. It painted a good picture of what he does there. Yeah. And you said you guys did train that in school? Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the curriculum is learning how to use a straight razor, yeah. do hot towel shaves. How much did you do it? Um, not as, <laughs> probably not as often as necessary to, uh, really dial it in yeah um, so there's a certain number I forget what the number is but there's a certain number you have to do to get credits for and really at the end of the day you, you, you figure out the basics yeah it's not until you get into the shop and you do it through experience that you figure out what works what doesn't and you just kind of learn that skill yeah and that's uh, just from talking with Tim and we'll get into it here in a second but I really love um, that you guys help people dial in their skill set and through your guys' apprenticeship, that's really what the apprenticeship is made for, you know what I mean? Like to, to help somebody go from foundational to actual journeyman level, yeah. um, skilled barber, you know? I've always loved that you guys do that. And Going back to your table talk with him, um, we'll just go back to the story. So did he tell you that, like right up front? like? Hey kid, if you want a spot here, this is what it's gonna be here. You mean for like the shaves? No, or like just, the apprenticeship. Oh, like yeah, he's pretty straightforward with that. Um, he's usually pretty straightforward with everything. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> I was I was intrigued by that and I was okay with that and I I wanted to do that, um, but really. <laughs> The biggest concern at that time was just getting through the interview. Yeah. So uh, he just, he grilled me with questions I never thought of. 
he made me feel like the smallest guy in the world. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that, that was the point, was to, to make it uncomfortable, make it hard, make it yeah. so that I didn't want to come back. Mm. And, um, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. It was just testing me, you know? Yeah. So got through the interview. He kind of filled me in on what that apprenticeship looks like. And he pretty much offered me the job. Um, but he told me to give him a call after a few days, after I've had time to think about it and see if it's the right decision for myself. Um, so after that, some for some reason, I felt like it was worth trying. Yeah. So that probationary period um, was going to be three months long. And uh, so a few days after the interview, I called him and said, hey, let's meet up so we can talk about what this is going to look like. Yeah. So we met up, got some coffee, told him I was very, very interested in going through with this. And um, that made him happy. Made me happy. Um, really, that conversation was just talking barbering, talking, um, being in the shop. And it was, he was very excited. Yeah. His whole demeanor was just super friendly and totally different than the guy that was interviewing me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it made me feel good. It made me feel like, all right, this is, this is doable. It was way more comfortable for, for myself. Yeah. So what were some of your first impressions from Tim? I mean, I know you said he made you feel small at first and then he was friendly the second time, but like, I guess from a perspective of what did you like see in this guy? What did you think about this guy? I, first impressions, he was a very serious person, but he was also very fun, very yeah. charismatic definitely very outgoing because of his seriousness but then also mixed with the the guy that likes to have fun and just easy going you've got these almost two different people and so it's very hard at first to read what that read who he is yeah is he a guy who's super serious that nobody can get along with or is he <laughs> um a guy that just likes to have fun and just wants to be everybody's friend it was yeah. very hard to figure that out but it's both it's He's a guy who will, he's not afraid to just be real. Yeah. I think that's what it is at the end of the day. He's very real. He's not phony, not fake. He's not trying yeah. to impress anyone. But yeah, first impression, it, it, it was difficult for me. I didn't know, when I walked in every day, I didn't know if I was gonna get the serious guy or the guy who <laughs> um, was gonna joke around with me. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit of a, twisted my mind a little bit yeah it was it took a while to figure out so we touched on you got you went through an apprenticeship that's kind of what he offered you right yeah and so you said the first three months were probation and then what did the rest of the apprenticeship look like so what's the program so what it looks like typically and I can only speak for my case but I got done with barber school and I spent probably I would say I spent the first week in the shop doing mostly shadowing <clears throat> so he got me set up in the system he got me good to go to where i can start cutting hair and be a barber 
Um, but most of that time was I was I was shadowing. He was teaching me techniques, how to cut hair properly, um, kind of relearning all the fundamentals. Um, but on top of that, and I think what's even more important was during that first three months, he made me do things I wasn't comfortable with. And that sounds weird, but. Like what? So one of them being, I was supposed to go out and pretty much get my own clientele. That's okay. something I'd never done before. I'm very, very introverted. And so he was pushing me to go outside my comfort zone and go find clients. So that meant making flyers and going to different businesses around town and yeah. introducing myself to strangers. Um, going to just local events happening and walking around and trying to cold sell people because yeah. I had no experience in selling or <laughs> what I was doing. And that's, that's awesome. So just learning the hard way with, with that kind of stuff and what to do and what not to do um, made me do towels. So wash the towels and do laundry at the shop. So the grunt work. Grunt work, yeah. So let's go back to the, the flyers. So rough estimate, how many flyers did you actually pass out? There's a rough number. Rough number? Flyers, it would have been probably close to 12. 12? Yeah. How many cold cells did you actually go up and talk to somebody? And There was one event that I went to where I did that. And I put my all into it. And uh, I think I got through about six people. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was times after that, but that was a rough day. That was, he pretty much told me to just take some business cards. Yeah. Dress, barbery, whatever that meant. <laughs> Go to this event and just talk to people. And so here I am thinking, okay, I need to go introduce myself, pass out business cards, get these guys to come visit the shop. Uh-huh. Now, knowing what I know now, I would have done that totally differently. Yeah. I would have probably not taken any business cards. Okay. I probably would have dressed comfortable, dressed like I am now. Yeah. And just Why have fun. Why is that? Because Everybody's methods, I feel like everybody's method of selling is different. For me, and I think fundamentally it's, it's building relationships. I think most people can agree with that. And I think that's the most important part, but you've gotta, if somebody's your friend, they're eventually gonna come do business with you. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like we touched on at the beginning, it's you're not really selling a haircut. Like you're, no, you're you guys, that, I think that's, that's what makes barbering amazing is you're really selling a relationship. Yeah. Like, hey, I want to be a part of your life. I want to be your barber. I want to, I want to have a new friend. Like, so you're not even selling just a haircut. So it does, you come at it from a different angle when you're selling a relationship yeah. or, you know. Definitely. Um, that was probably one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. Just the amount of embarrassment and yeah it was, it was rough but um it was stuff like that that i had to do um 
I remember once during that three month period, I went up to uh, a law firm that was doing kind of a welcome party. They just moved um, into a new location and everybody uh, in the building got an invite. So I went up there and ate some good food, uh, had a drink, mingled with lawyers and people that are way um, above my caliber of, uh, of doing things. And it was fun, actually. I, uh, I was getting to that point where I started to learn how to do things better. And so I went with the whole intent of just going there and having fun and, and meeting people. It was a little nerve wracking just coming from my background of, like I said, being super ordinary, just your typical Indiana family. Yeah. Um, working class and then to go to, I mean, a big law firm where everybody knows each other and I'm the stranger. It was, that was difficult for me, but um, it was fun. Got some clients out of it. Saw some familiar faces there. Um, really the whole apprenticeship, I'd say is pushing yourself and making yourself uncomfortable and kind of breaking breaking down any type of selfishness you might have. Yeah. It's really about lowering yourself and humbling yourself into a position where you can actually just give up. Like the whole <laughs> idea is for you to just give up. We we want to push someone to want to give up. Yeah. And what I mean by that is just basically forget what they that person needs to forget what they want. They need to forget what their vision looks like, mm -hmm. the way they imagine it in their head, and they need to just trust the process. Um, and just know wholeheartedly that we have your absolute best interest in mind yeah. through this. The whole idea is to teach you things that you can't learn by yourself. Um, but in order to raise you up, you gotta humble yourself, lower yourself, and show up on time and do what we say. And um, <laughs> if people are willing to do that and go through an apprenticeship that's grueling like that, there's no way they won't be successful yeah. in whatever they want to do. Yeah, that's interesting. So when did you hit that point where you were just ready to give up? Probably the first day. Really? <laughs> yeah. If I'm being 100% honest, it, I I dreaded going going to work during that time. But it was because I'd never been in a position like that. I'd never yeah. been in a spot where I'm the lowest of the low and you got the guy who's on top. So really it was kind of like a every day going in there was a reality check of where I'm at and where I need to get to. So I started off doing maybe two or three heads a day if I was lucky. The rest of the time I'm either in the shop learning skills or out and about trying to get business. Um, so when you've got that and then you've got a guy that's doing 16 heads a day, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's not a very motivating place to be at. It's, and was he doing 16 heads a day and making it look hard? No, like, that's the thing. Like it was, I, I, it was almost like I couldn't, 
I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I was good enough to be there. Yeah. And that's kind of what I struggled with was not feeling good enough mm. or not feeling like I was deserving of that. But that's the whole point of the apprenticeship is to to end up deserving it. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't feel good when you show up and you've got nobody on your books and the other guy's got 16 heads a day and he's telling you what to do. <laughs> yeah. So. I, um, I mean, going through similar processes like Tim, so Tim's coached you on barbering and then he's also poured into you a lot with the business side of things. Because yeah. um, just having talked to him, I know he's, he's told me and we've had conversations apart from this that you've, uh, you've shown interest in like taking over the managerial side of things eventually. And he wants, he has other businesses he's pouring into anyway, um, this being one example of them. So he needed a guy who was gonna come in and kind of step up. Yeah. And you're that guy. Like, and so we kind of wear similar shoes in two different areas under the same guy, you know yeah. what I mean? And so he put me through a similar ringer of sorts um, with business, you know what I mean? And, and it really is like, you have those moments where you're like, all right, I'm going to submit it all. Yep. Or I'm, I'm not gonna move on. Like, <laughs> you have like, no choice, you, yeah. put in, you put yourself in a position where you have no choice but to submit and it's yeah. it's humbling and it's scary and it's uncomfortable and i mean like even in the fire service you know going through academy and going through rookie year like it's your can and rookie year you're consistently put back in that spot yeah and it's like dude submit be humble or go home yeah like like there's no room, especially there, like there's no room for arrogance, there's no room for pride, and there's no room for selfishness. Like, and I guess what I came to realize real fast is like thinking, thinking lowly of oneself is just a different form of pride. Like if you're consistently thinking bad about yourself, you're still thinking about yourself. Yeah. And like true humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking about yourself less. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like when I'm not focused on me so much, but I'm focused on the needs of others and yep. what can I do to help the team and what can I do to make this succeed and what can I do, even the simplest stuff, like I try to keep myself humble by doing the simple things. Yep. Like, okay, I'm getting coffee. Well, who needs coffee first? Like who, whose cup can I pour before I pour my own? Like it sounds dumb, but it's the simple things. Like I, tr it helps me remind myself to stay humble, you know. Yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting what you're saying. Like you've learned it through barbering, but I think many guys have to learn it through many different places in life. Definitely. And uh, it's the same lesson. It is the know? same lesson, and it's it just it might look different. Yeah. For me, it was it was a very quick lesson, I guess. Yeah. It was. And it's every day I'm still learning, but I think what really drove me through that apprenticeship was, like you said, like humility is thinking of yourself less. And had I thought about how sucky it was, I would have given up. Yeah. But the people pleaser in me did not want to fail Tim. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't want to fail myself either, but that's failing Tim or that fear was, that drove me way more than anything else. Yeah, I think for me, so on the business side of things, like 
um, when he was pouring into me and developing me, there were there were a few days where like he he really likes to play this game where he asks way above and beyond what you ever imagined you could do for yourself. Yeah. Like what? Like he would give me a list. Like I need this done by tomorrow, and I'd be like. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't think I could do that in three days, but then I come back to him the next day with it done and he kept doing stuff like that. And there were many days I, I was like, man, I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. But like you're saying, at least for me, I realized it wasn't even so much about the fear of failing him. It was more of like, he believes in me. Yeah. Like he believes I can do this. So I need to start believing I can do this. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like he, he's able to envision your true potential. He doesn't see you as the man you are currently. He sees you as the man you will become. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think and that's that's special, and that's it's a blessing to have that because it's rare to find a leader that can actually do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of leaders just want to push people to perform and not push people to reach their potential. Yes. You know what I mean? And so it's like, so many people I've had over me in my life, they're just like, hey, do this, because I need you to do this. Yep. Not do this because you, I know you can. You know, I know you're capable of doing this. It's, it gets sometimes the same results, but it comes from two different places. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, uh, and so I remember, like, I remember thinking about that, like, this guy, I don't see it, and I feel like quitting, but he wouldn't keep giving me jobs if he didn't think I could do that, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And so at some point, I just started to drink the Kool-Aid that I was... Trust the process. Trust the process, yeah, that I was actually capable and that I was worth what he was putting on the table. Because, I mean, he basically said, like, dude, if you can do this, I want to do business with you. I want you to manage this business. I want you to come alongside me and start this. And I didn't see it at first, you know? Yeah. I didn't see it in me. I saw the vision of what he was laying out, but I didn't see it in me. And so it's like you were saying earlier, it gets difficult because I don't think I can actually, I'm not worth it or I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I just want to be clear too. Like it's not like he's forcing anyone to do anything. No, not at all. But what it is is that he's offering an opportunity to have fun, to yeah. be successful, to fail and fail and then succeed, you yeah. know? To push to, yourself to, yeah, and to grow. To have an experience. That's really what it's, what it's about. And so, I mean, like I said, it's, it's not forcing that on anyone. No. It's just if you want to come on the journey and see where we go, then let's do it. Yeah, I think the funny thing is like, it just, it sounds so uncommon in business, but you think about any other aspect of the army or Marines or the fire department or, you know, any of these places that there is discipline With and there is order. Missions, missions yeah. yeah. It's like any of these places that you sign up, people go and they sign up for this and they fully expect to be treated a certain way. And it's like, I don't know why we don't view other aspects of our life the same way. Like there's going to be a growth process yeah. and 99% of the time growth means you're going to have to tear something down to rebuild, you know, concepts, ideas, parts of your body, muscle, you know, it's all throughout life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you have to break down to build back up. And 
I'm not saying it needs to be boot camp like. No. But it's it's a similar process of like changing the way you think about things and going through what's considered in this first world <laughs> a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. To get something very amazing. Like it to me, I get so fired up and I rant about it because it's truly the American dream. Like it's not handed to you on a silver platter, but it is right there in front of you. But you have to put forth some effort to reach out and grab it. You exactly. know what I mean? And that's all we're talking about is that process. And Tim helps men see that process. Yes. Whether it be you and barbering or me and podcasting and media or any of the number of other guys he pours into, he helps them see the, the process of, oh, there's your dream. Well, let me help you get it. It's truly a mentorship. It's, yeah. I mean, that's the simplest way to say it. And it, I mean, people that haven't gone through that process or met him probably maybe hard to understand, but yeah, that's what it is. It's a mentorship. It's a, he just de- tries to feed into you and yeah. build you up. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by the Executive Barbershop. If you are in Fort Wayne area and need a dapper haircut or shave, you can book your own appointment with them at theexecutivebarbershop.com. They are on the seventh floor of the PNC building, located at the heart of downtown. They offer straight razor, hot towel shaves, meticulous mustache and beard trims, and classic hairstyles. Go check them out. So how was it coming out of your probation? Well, at the end of the probationary period, um, we had to sit down, kind of reviewed the last few months. And I just remember that whole day, I was like, I'm gonna tell him I wanna go somewhere else. I'm gonna tell him like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't come into work and feel like I'm just walking on eggshells all day. Yeah. And just trying to, it, it was a lot of pressure to do everything the right way. Yeah. And there was a huge fear of failing. Hmm. And I did not, I was, I was done with it. I, it was miserable for me. Like I, I'm trying to, <laughs> It sounds really bad, but that it was. It was. Yeah. I did not want to go to work. I couldn't imagine myself being there anymore. Um, it was tough, and so I had that mindset going into this conversation. Yeah. And he had nothing but good things to say about me, and offered me like full time, wants me right along his side. Like yeah. I did amazing, and so he tells me that, and then I'm thinking, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> this guy likes me that much and now I just want to leave but um, I was honest with him I told him exactly what I just said and he he was surprised <laughs> um, a little tore down by it maybe but he never he didn't judge me he didn't call me out he didn't he was very supportive hmm. but not in a bribey way it was just very okay like yeah if it's not for you it's not for you it's that's totally okay it's been awesome either way yeah and so we try to figure out what that looks like how am I gonna resign from the shop and so I decided to give it like two more weeks just to kind of transition out yeah and give myself an opportunity to see where else I might be able to go and cut hair yeah And I think that right there shows his heart. You know what I mean? Like 
He's not forcing you to do anything. No. He pushes you because he knows you're capable. Yes. But when it comes to it, it's it's your choice to leave. You know, yeah. and, and he will not only is it your choice, but he will support you in leaving. Like, yes. And I his think whole that, goal he and it, that's what's so hard for people to understand is his goal isn't his goal is not to manipulate you or get you to do what he wants you to do. His goal is to legitimately pour into you and make you as successful as possible. Yeah. Whether you're on his team or not on his team. Yeah. Like it's real. It's and that's hard to come by. So it's I think it's hard nowadays for people to comprehend that. Yeah. That's really yeah, that's what's amazing about the way he does things and the relationships he he tries to build with people. I uh I just wanted to touch on that like I never want it to be said that he forces anyone to do anything or that he's vindictive or manipulative or he's actually the opposite of yeah. all that like and he but in the same sentence he will push you to be the best you can be you know what I mean and yeah. it's I don't I don't know where it gets into our system that I think it must happen after high school graduation we think we're we're free and no one can touch us and no one can tell us what to do anymore when we just spent 12 years being told what to do <laughs> you yeah. know and I think part of that is like the way we're raised and the way our school systems are but if you think about it like why is it so confronting to think that when you go into a job and somebody says hey like let me look at how you do finances because if you're going to do business with me I would like you to be profitable why is that so offensive when, why is that a bad thing? Yeah, it, and when, like, a few years ago, you had somebody saying, hey, if you don't do this math problem this way, you're getting an F. Like, <laughs> but in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's still the same thing. It's a numbers game. And, hey, if you don't do your finances this way, you're going to get an F in life. <laughs> like, you're going to fail hard. And like, going along with that, <laughs> it's just to touch on it. I don't know if Tim said it or somebody else did, but I heard someone say people only want to be told what to do with their finances is they only want to be told if they're paying for it. Yeah. So they will pay for people to advise them on what to do with their money, but when somebody wants to do it, and then free, usually they, they're not about and it. And then usually only to tell them what they want to hear. Yep. Like I'll pay an accountant to tell me how I can do something or what I want him to tell me. <laughs> but I don't know, because I know we've probably had similar stories in how he's coached us. And that was one of the hardest conversations we had when he was like, listen, like if we're gonna do business together, I'm going to make sure you know how to manage money. If I'm going to have you managing a company, you're gonna know how to manage money and manage it yeah. well. And so he's like, I need to look at your financial records. and me and my wife were like oh my like this guy's insane <laughs> but then we like we took some time and thought about it and we were like that actually makes total sense yeah. like why you should not put somebody in a place over managing a business or the finances of a business if you know they don't know how to manage that you know yeah and that conversation it can get uncomfortable but it's it's not condemning no. It's just looking at things for what they are and saying, okay, how can we do better this year or what can we start doing now to, yeah. to hit a small goal? And in the end, the funny thing is, like, 
we either pay people to t teach us how to run money or now we download apps, you know? Why would you not want to sit across from somebody who's clearly doing well, knows how to manage money, is making money, and coaching you in other aspects, and then when he asks you to, I guess the point I'm getting at is it got to the point in my life where I was like, I'll give it a try. What, what do I have to lose? Like, yeah. he's just gonna look and tell me where to move money and what to do with it. And at the end of the day, I'm either gonna win or not. Yeah. And if not, I can stop. And if I do, then he's onto something. I guess it's all like, roll the dice, you know, push the bluff, whatever you wanna say to like, hey, I'm gonna call your bluff. Either you know what you're doing or you don't, and let's figure this out. Yep. That fear or that uncomfortable uncomfortability is, it's all an entity of itself. It doesn't have to exist if we don't want it to, you know? Yeah. So, where were we? You said that you were on your two weeks of heading out. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I was trying to... This was a good part, too. I was too. trying to transition out, and it... I went and talked to uh, another shop owner, and... I mean, really, after talking to to a couple people, I really wasn't too sold. I was kind of split. I was torn, really. I didn't know. I started to think, should I leave? Should I not? Like, I know I have potential here where I'm at. Yeah. But am I willing to go through that, go through being uncomfortable, being miserable for a little bit in order to get where I want to be at? So it's the same, it's the same story as barber school. Yeah, it's the easy really? road versus the hard road. So. Somewhere in that two weeks time, I did some heavy thinking and I mean, Tim and I, I mean, we had a couple heart to hearts and he legitimately tried to help me like figure out what I wanted to do. Again, not being manipulative or anything like that, but just honestly trying to help me do what's best for me. And yeah, somewhere along that line, I decided to stay and tough it out. Yeah. I don't know what exactly did that for me, but I just, something told me to stay. So I stayed. Yeah. <laughs> so was it, was it different when you decided to stay and you came back? Cause now you're out of your probation, right? I am, but the apprenticeship isn't over yet. Yeah. No, really, if I'm being honest, it was just starting. Like <laughs> it didn't really get that much easier. <laughs> it was, it didn't. But the pressure, some of the pressure, I think, was off. At that point, Tim and I started to build a relationship. Yeah. And it wasn't, I didn't look to him as being, as being my, my boss, per se. Yeah. Um, but more mentor relationship really just yeah. kind of developed from there. And I think, yeah. Did it help to see that he actually cared? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point to make. Because if that, if I didn't know that, then... I don't think there's any way it would have worked out. It makes it worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes it worth it. It lets you know for real that you're, he wants you to succeed and the shop wants to build you up. Like yeah. The, the shop wants you to be successful. So um, knowing that and just learning that, it, I guess it helped me yeah. get through the remainder of the apprenticeship. So you're in the apprenticeship still? Yeah. So. I don't remember how long exactly that apprenticeship lasted. It was close to close to a year. Okay. And so, however long the apprenticeship lasts, it's kind of discretionary. 
Yeah. There's certain things we look for. Yeah. And we try to zone in on when it comes to um, knowing whether or not somebody's done with their apprenticeship, whether yeah. they, they've showed that they have truly earned their spot there. Yeah. So. Kind of checking certain boxes, yeah. getting where they should with certain skills. And yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but there's eventually you're in the shop with somebody for so many hours or so long that you, you figure out who they are and you figure out what they've accomplished or what they still need to work on. So I think it was like Christmas time of maybe 2016. He gave me my, uh, what he calls his journeyman's apron. apron. Yeah. And that's just kind of like your, your token saying, hey, you're, you're a journeyman now. If you're that's considered awesome. a journeyman, you're out of your apprenticeship. You never stopped learning, but you've graduated to that level. Yeah. Was there a, was there a noticeable change in how the, your, your dynamic in the shop, did that change when you stepped into your journeyman? In a way, it wasn't, wasn't really as drastic as you would think. Yeah. Because I'd been in that position for so long of being the last guy on the totem pole. And now I'm starting to come into being not on Tim's level, but getting there. Yeah. And the so, guy. <laughs> so adjusting to that and like cognitively adjusting to that, it, it was hard to do and it's still hard to do. I'm still not, Yeah. I'm still in that lowly mindset sometimes, um, which I think is okay. It's just learning when to step into that position of authority versus position of submittance. Yeah, I think, so in the engine house, it's kind of similar to where there's certain guys, there's certain officers, like our lieutenants and captains, they're the, they're like the head guys at the engine houses, right? Well, there's certain guys that like, some of them won't jump down your throat, like yeah. about taking the garbage out or about, you know, washing off the table or picking up dishes or, you know, certain guys, they're not going to shove, you know, they'll tell you once or twice, but if you're not going to put forth the effort, they're, they're just going to pick up the slack because they're humble guys. And it's awesome to see those humble leaders, like they're at the top, but they also, their heart's so for the team that like when it comes to the, the menial tasks, yeah. they'll be the first ones to step up. But the dichotomy is when it comes to leadership, they're also the first ones to step up. They don't, they're not always the lowly guy. Like when, it, when we roll up to a scene and somebody needs to take charge, they're the first guy to take charge. Sure. And so it's like, I've seen that, and even Tim's told me that about you. Like, you, you'll be the first guy to, to do the dishes or to stay late or to go do something that he needs done. And, but you're also like, when somebody needs to step up, you're the first guy to do it. And I think that will be a process as you guys get more apprentices. Like, I'm sure that'll be a process of like learning how to take the lead and how to. Uh, yeah, and I'm, it's, it's one of those things where you don't. You, you can't do it until you do it. Yeah, You don't exactly. know how to do it until it happens. Yep. So I guess every day we're just learning yeah. how to do things better. So how many slots do you guys have open right now in the shop to take on? We have on? room for two more barbers. So we have a total of four chairs available. Okay. So it's Tim and I right now, and uh, hopefully we have two more chairs filled by okay. uh, the end of the year. Awesome. That's our goal. I saw a sign said executive barbershop now offering fat wages. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, so we have a, a sign in the shop and you know, the ones with the removable letters yeah. and somebody rearranged the letters and 
and uh, put that as a message on there. So <laughs> somebody did that a couple of years ago, and it's just stayed like yeah, that. Yeah, um, I don't know who would have done that. Just being funny, someone. Just <laughs> <laughs> somebody who likes to hang out at the shop, probably. But so you guys have a couple booths you can fill. Do you guys go to like the the schools and scout or? A lot of people go to schools and try to scout people and um, get to know some of the students and, and try to get people that way. We'd love for anyone to start yeah. the process. It's just when you go to schools, people are starting to form those those visions of where they see themselves. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we really don't want somebody there if we have to bend over backwards and recruit them. Yeah. We want somebody to show up and want a job because they see the value in what we're doing yeah. and they want to be a part of that. Yeah, so let's touch on what makes you guys different. If you could sum it up real quick, what makes you guys different than all the other shops in Fort Wayne? Why should they come to you versus somebody else? I'd say as a shop, we're, we legitimately care about everyone who's involved. Yeah. We. Our goal is to do things the right way the first time, every single time. I guess from a barber's perspective, the shop is different because you're in an environment where the number one goal is for you to be successful. It's not cutthroat, you're not fighting over clients. Yeah. We want everybody to succeed there. We want everybody to be fully booked and make yeah. money. Also, there's, there's just a culture there that I think is hard to define and just the way this whole podcast is going, that kind of sums everything up. Yeah. Guys will come in and they'll keep coming back. And I mean, obviously for the haircut, but also I think just because there's an energy there and a culture there that may be hard to pinpoint, but they like it. And I think there's a culture of just building guys up. Yeah. Well, just to, just to touch on that particularly, like I was talking to uh, a guy that I found out we both have in common, Chris Freeman. Yeah. And oh, so Chris. just so you know, like, <clears throat> You, you said earlier Tim was knocking out 16 heads a day and it looked impossible, like you would never reach that point. Yeah. So how many heads at your max have you cut in a day? Max? I think it was 16. Yeah. So, but I mean, you're there. Yeah. So you're doing the same thing and, and I know that you are just from being in the shop and being around you and I know you can, you can put out the same quantity and quality that Tim can. And, um, to speak to that, I was talking to Chris one day and he goes, yeah, I always book with Tyler and he said he's come to you for a long time and you always take like an hour to cut Chris's hair. Is that right? Yeah, 30 to 60 minutes. It just yeah. kind of depends he on said, how the like, day is. You guys usually have 30 minute windows, right? Usually we have 30 minute windows. Sometimes you'll take, sometimes you'll take an hour, I should say. Yeah, and, and the reason I do that is because Yes, we're there to make money, but also at the same time, it's it's nice to have a little bit of leeway. Yeah. And um, I like Chris a lot, and we always have great conversation, and so it's always fun when he's in the chair. Yeah, and, and that's that's I sometimes block some extra time with him if if, uh, if I'm feeling up to it. Yeah, and that's it, what he fun. said. Yeah. He said he questioned you one time, and he was like, "Tyler's such an amazing guy." Like he said, "I go in for a haircut." but I stay for conversation and I keep going back because of the relationship and because of conversation. He was yeah. like, he said, Tyler sometimes takes an hour to cut my hair. And he's like, he asked you about it once. And he said, Tyler, 
does it really take an hour to cut my hair? Like, is there something wrong with my head? <laughs> and you were like, no, man, I could have your hair cut in like 10 minutes, but I choose to cut it over an hour or over 30 minutes because I like hanging out with you. I like yeah. talking to you a lot. I like getting to know, but I, I see that all across the board, like you and Tim, you like getting to know people and pouring into people and actually helping people. Like you guys give some of the best advice I've ever heard and you give right. it from a barber chair, you know? And I think that's what sets the executive barbershop apart is it's not just about a haircut. Like it's about relationship, you know? Yeah, I'd say that's, yeah, you're right. That's probably the number one thing I think that sets us apart from a lot of other shops. I think you can get that at, at other shops, but having that community yeah, where everybody can get along and everybody can talk to each other and everybody's there to just, I mean, get a haircut obviously, but also kind of hang out. Yeah. Um, you just don't see that a lot anymore. Yeah. Everybody's trying to get in and get out and I mean, we spend 30 minutes typically on a haircut appointment, and I'd say that's average. Yeah. But you go to a lot of places, they'll try to get right through it in 10 minutes, and sometimes it, we run over a little bit because we're trying to, to take the care it takes to make you look good. And but yeah, it's it's a there's a fine line between, I guess, getting the job done and making it worthwhile. Yeah. So. Just that balance is there, I think, with, with the way we do things. We've found that kind of sweet spot between getting the job done, but also making it enjoyable and pleasant and giving value. Yeah. Yeah, not just getting the job done. But like you said, getting it done, doing it right with excellence. Yeah. And then also making it something to remember. Yeah. Like, like kind of what you were saying earlier, like enjoy the process. Like I can give you, like, I can't give you, but you can give a great haircut. But if you hate the, the process of getting that haircut, it's not, you're not gonna come back. You're missing half the... Yeah. And so I think you guys do a really great job at that. And, um, I'd love to have you on again. I know we probably have way more to talk about. Um, I think we're, we're already running over and so uh, I don't wanna keep you. And I want to have multiple podcasts with you. So yeah, I'd enjoy that. There's, uh, there's, there's plenty more to tell about the barbershop. There's a lot more, yeah. So thanks for coming on. really appreciate it. Uh, for all you listeners out there, if anybody's interested in um, getting your hair cut or being hired and brought on by the Executive Barbershop, you can um, view them at? It's theexecutivebarbershop.com. Okay. And you guys are also available on Facebook. And we Instagram. have a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Okay. Um, yeah, all our info's online. Okay. And we'll, we will link all of those links down below. And anywhere this podcast can be found, we'll make sure that you guys can be found as well. Um, we're definitely doing business together. So yeah. I want to keep doing it hand in hand. And so I think what you guys are doing is awesome. And That's great. Thank you so much for yeah. having me on. No problem, man. It's been Thanks fun. for being here. We'll follow up later. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Support us on our webpage at mydapperlife.com. This is the Live Dapper Podcast. Stay dapper, live dapper. Dapper.